Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How we doing? Oh, you know I'm pretty good. Did anything major happen this week? Uh, well, <clears throat> the World Series starts tonight with the Atlanta Braves in it. Oh my god, really? Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. High fly ball, back to right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive, back to right. Welcome to the show. Twenty-five lighters for my twenty-five folks. Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. For the first time in 22 years, the Braves get back to the World Series with a chance to win a game for the first time in 25 years. This celebratory episode of TPS is brought to you by our partners over at Symbol. Symbol is a brand new sponsor for us. You're going to love them. They're basically the stock market for sports. It allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams just like stocks if you've been playing Robin Hood, you know, playing that GameStop up and down fortune. Every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. This would be a great time to invest in the Atlanta Braves. Visit www.simbull.com that's symbol.com to create a free account and when you deposit make sure to use the promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free again that is www.simbull.com use the promo code SD and your deposit is risk-free that means even if you lose the money Simple's going to refund your initial deposit no questions asked Join today and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. Today's episode is also brought to you by Spotify Green Room. You guys have heard us talk about them a lot, so I'm not going to go into super heavy. You guys should have downloaded them already. It's been a while since we've done a Green Room. But there's a fair chance that the Spotify Green Room is a fantastic place for you to go to cover any of, of the World Series shenanigans with 
fans around the world. Braves country is very vast and expansive. A great way to meet those people is on Spotify Greenroom, the audio-only platform that is changing the name of the game. Download in the iOS or Android store today. Link your Twitter to your profile and join in. You can basically act like you're part of the programs. Go now. Download Spotify Greenroom and you can be kept updated whenever your favorite episodes, your favorite shows, people, whoever decide to drop a green room, just go today, download the Spotify green room app and get in the game. So I don't really know how to handle this stock. It, it still doesn't feel real to me. These are uncharted waters. You know, it seemed weird when we, you know, when we won a playoff series last year and it's every year we take, we take another step, you know, 19 was the NLDS, last year was the NLCS, and this year we're we're in the World Series. And, you know, if if anybody's listening to this show, I mean, you're a Braves fan probably, and you, you have a very good understanding of all of the nonsense, we'll call it, that the team went through this year, whether it be injuries or off-the-field stuff or whatever it was. And this is about the sweetest thing. I mean, I there were a million teams that... Should have made it. I mean, you can look at the past couple of Braves teams, and they were all better than this one on paper. But just by virtue of how it came together and when it came together, that right now, I mean, this team looks like, just from the outside, they look like they're feeling 10 foot tall and bulletproof, you know? And psychologically, getting over the 3-1 hump, getting over the Dodgers, making it back. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's been 22 years is is just one piece of it, you know? And the team is 0-8 in the last eight World Series games. I mean, we're, we're facing down a lot of history right now. And I really get the feeling that even if the entire country wasn't still mad at the Astros they would be pulling for us anyway because there's a there's a real Cinderella aspect to to what's happening with the 2021 Braves am i right there is and and it's we've talked about this in in a number of episodes lately that Ronald Acuña Jr going down forced a lot of the other players on this team to step their game up to levels that they did not have at that point or maybe didn't think that they would have to get to because you always have in the back of your mind You've got a talent like Ronald to to pick up the slack. Without him, you had to see off. You, you saw Austin Riley have to to really really elevate his game. Ozzy Albies took his game to another level for most of the season. Kind of struggled a little bit there uh, in spurts, but got to the thirty home run mark. Even Dansby for a little bit anyway picked up his game before turning back into you know rolling Waba Dansby. Uh, <laughs> but we see guys like Eddie Rosario. We've seen Guillermo Heredia step up big. Jock Peterson has played a huge role. Adam Duvall playing center field for the first time in his career. I mean, this team has just put it together, and, and everybody has kind of pitched in. The starting rotation, after Ronald Acuna went down, the starting rotation really kept this team afloat. And we kind of forget that sometimes when we're looking at the numbers of how incredible Austin was or how great Freddie finished out the season. We kind of forget how important it was for the rotation to pick it up when they did. Same for the bullpen. I mean, it's not like we didn't have good performances before, but to get them all working on the same page after Ronnie went down was so important for this team, and everything worked. Snicker started managing, for the most part, pretty well. There's always some questionable decisions, but in the postseason, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I don't think he's been outmanaged yet. Uh, and then talking about Alex Anthopoulos, with every... Every possibility to sell and get as much as you can for what looked like a lost season. To have the Stones to stick through it the way that you and I were hoping he would. 
just a phenomenal job by everybody involved in the organization and just a just a fantastic season to get them to where they are and a matchup that frankly I think is like I've said before this is a really really good matchup oh it's it's spectacular I mean you could you could make the case that this is the most evenly matched world series in recent memory I mean I, I would not be I would not be surprised to see the Braves march in and take care of business for a number of reasons and it's the same thing with the Astros I mean I have even even if something were to, were to happen, like let's say the Braves get swept, let's let's just say that that happens. I still look at this season as a success once again because of when it came together and how everything has kind of progressed. And and I do remember, I, I think this was the uh, the episode in between when we got Jock and the trade deadline, and we were talking about how do you realistically replace Ronald, and we said the only way to do it is in, it, you have to divide it up into three or four different guys, right? You know, because Ronald is just one singular person in the lineup. You have a lot more options for spreading things out if you if you really beef up the outfield. And this is when Almonte was still starting, and I, I think that the uh, Orlando Arcia uh, experiment had ended and, and everybody just was going, God, can you believe we even tried that? So um, it's funny that even at the time I was like, ah, I'm going to say this, but I don't know how much I believe it. And it actually wound up being kind of true. And, but yeah, the the way that the rotation stepped up, the bullpen got a lot better. It was just like a gradual trimming of the fat as the, as the year went on. And, and there's always going to be refinements from series to series in the playoffs when you're playing matchups and saying, you know, maybe we need somebody who's going to go three innings here, four innings there, because somebody got burnt out or injured in the last series or whatever. But I am looking up and down this Houston Astros roster, particularly the pitching staff, and I keep looking for reasons why we're going to lose, just to go ahead and get myself ready for them. And, you know, even for as evenly matched as it is, I am not bowled over by anything saying, oh, no, it's going to be their offense, or oh, no, it's going to be their pitching. It's just, I think I'm scared of them because of the name on the jersey because they've been to the World Series three times in the past five years. I don't necessarily think they're, they're good, but I don't necessarily think they're better than we are. Now, they're definitely better than I thought they were uh, I, I since they struggled. Kind of had a weird year for them as well, where they were behind Oakland for a lot of the season. The Mariners were making real runs. Uh, and then the Astros just kind of stayed consistent and just pulled it through once they started getting, like, Jordan healthy again. Shocker, Jordan Alvarez, one of the best hitters in baseball. <laughs> got to help out your lineup a little bit. Had big seasons from Kyle Tucker uh, as he finally started to show the promise that he was showing as a, as a really highly rated prospect. Uh, as I know that makes Ryan Cothran happy. He's always been a Kyle Tucker guy. Uh, and you look at these guys up and down, and there are a lot of similarities with the Braves. Not necessarily in the usage, but they both shift more than just about any other team in baseball. If you go up and down lineup-wise, you're talking about you know, Jordan and Freddie kind of cancel each other out. Uh, Austin and, I don't know, say Austin and Correa kind of cancel each other out. Right now, Eddie Rosario is the hottest hitter on the planet. So you could say, uh, I don't know, him and, and Kyle Tucker maybe cancel each other out. I don't know that I'd say that over a long haul, but certainly right now, that's kind of how it goes. Ozzy and Altuve. Altuve has been better, but Ozzy and Altuve are, are always going to be linked together just based on their size and, and the, the way that those guys have such complete games. You'd start looking up and down the rosters and you start seeing the Braves might not just match up. They might hold slight edges. When you're talking about depth of the lineup, now that we're going to be able to use Jorge Soler as a DH in Houston, which we're going to talk about here in a second, because that's a big key to the series, I think. 
the Braves can go at least seven deep and guys that can seriously hurt you. Uh, eight if Dansby's got it going. Nine if Travis can catch the ball correctly. I don't know how healthy Travis is, but you're talking about at least seven deep in that lineup of guys that can not just hurt you, but take you deep at any possible moment in the game. This is a, this is a really different Braves lineup. And when you're talking about this Astros team, you're right. I don't really see any any ways that I think Houston just bowls over Atlanta. Now, if there's a hangover from beating the Dodgers that just doesn't work out well, fine. But I, I think I see more ways for the Braves to win this than I do the Astros. And I think that that's, that's part and parcel for, for what this team was meant to be, even with Ronald Acuna. Uh, and it just kind of got sidelined a little bit when he got hurt, was how much better balanced this team is from the starting rotation to the bullpen to the lineup and the depth on the bench as well it's just a very well balanced team even if you can say the Dodgers have a better lineup and they do typically but they didn't last week which is all that matters uh you can say that you know the Brewers have a better pitching staff which they do but they didn't when we played them which is all that matters you could say that some other teams have had better bullpens. I don't know that I would say anybody has a better bullpen. There's nobody else that has Tyler Matzik in their bullpen. So for my money, nobody's got a better bullpen. But you can look at this team and you can say they're, they're top five, top ten in every single area. So you don't really have a flaw on this team. And I think once you get to postseasons, that's so important. And that's one of the reasons I think the Braves should go into this and should feel that the, the players should feel like they're the favorites. I think so too. And... I, I don't think I'm the only one who's kind of scared of the Astros just because of because of where they've been over the past few years, not dissimilar to the same reason why you'd be terrified of the Dodgers. You look at the roster, you look at the results the last couple of years. I mean, obviously this is a really good team. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that we should we should just expect to coast against Houston Astros because we're not going to. But when you go when you're a National League team and you go into an American League park, this is whether it's interleague play, World Series, whatever. It's not always an advantage to have a DH. You have to have a really robust bench to make that work. And the I don't want to say the Braves got lucky, but I will kind of explain my way out of it. They weren't forced to choose three out of four outfielders in the series against the Dodgers uh, because Soler was on the COVID IL, which going into it, everybody's like, oh, here we go again. And then it wound up actually working out pretty well because Eddie Rosario is... A, freak of nature so now going into an AL park we have somebody that is a natural DH who's going to be able to step back in and lead off for us you know and then you still have Rosario Duvall and Jock out there you know and it's it's just a different game in the AL park but we not only get the chance to eliminate the pitcher uh going into Houston but we have somebody who's a viable DH and you know even when you got Peterson and Swanson batting eighth and ninth I mean those two dudes hit 45 home runs this year and they're the bottom of the lineup I still I do think that Travis should be should be batting ninth but uh I, I think his thumb is still really bothering him but from an offensive standpoint I think Houston does have the edge but it's just an edge it's not a it's not a clear clearly defined superiority for the pitching though it's not even close. The Braves pitching, and once again, I'm not saying that we're going to go in and we're going to shut them out, but what I'm saying is when you're looking at Freed Morton Anderson versus a Houston staff that has no Lance McCullers because he was the best pitcher they had all year, so they're starting Framber Valdez in Game 1, uh, and my guess is they're doing Luis Garcia in Game 2 and Jose Urquidy in Game 3 with some type of bullpen situation based around Zach Grinke and Jake Odorisi for Game 4. I am not scared of that. Like, Framber Valdez keeps the ball on the ground, and that's good. And he kind of, 
not necessarily in pitching styles, but in terms of results, Valdez reminds me of Max Freed if he walked le- uh, if he uh, Max walked more guys. They're they're um, their strikeout rates are similar. Their home run rates are similar. The ERAs and the FIPS. I mean, it, it, they're not too far off. The walks are the really the big one there. So if they were lining up in in a game, then you would say, okay, that's pretty close. And if you had like McCullers, Morton, but they they don't have McCullers. So Valdez gets it in one, and then Garcia in game two. Now Garcia made a mechanical tweak before his last start against the. Red Sox? What? Red Sox, thank you. I, I knew it was a, a color of socks, but I couldn't remember which one. Um, and his, it was like he was trying to take pressure off his knee, and his velocity spiked like three miles per hour. Is that impressive? Yes. Is he going to be able to do it again? Mm, I don't know. I don't necessarily you know. what know. it kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of, you remember when Fulty first started changing his mechanics midseason? Yeah. And he had that kind of lean back, and it picked up his velocity yeah. from like 92 to 97? kind of feels like that. Uh, and, and I actually, you could explain a lot of what happened with Garcia. Like the, the mechanical tweak probably definitely helped um, just kind of making the delivery a little bit more fluid. You could also say that there's a large bit of that that was probably adrenaline, which can be very true. Don't forget, he is a rookie himself. Uh, when you brought up that Valdez and Max are very similar, that's what I actually wanted to, to really discuss here. Because Valdez and, Ma- and Max both have two of the best lefty curveballs in Major League Baseball, and they're very similar curves. Now, Max's is a sharper break, which I actually... Th- yes, I'm a Max Freed homer, but I think Ma- I think Max has the, the prettiest curveball in baseball. Uh, I think that his ability to locate it in the top of the zone or the bottom of the zone is, is pretty much unmatched in baseball. But I'm glad you brought them up, because while the Braves have to deal with Valdez and his ability to keep the ball on the ground at a, at a historical rate... The Astros have never seen Max Freed. So for everybody worried about Max Freed for how he did versus the Dodgers, first of all, understand that the Dodgers kind of own Max. Not only that, clearly Max was tipping in a way that the Dodgers were able to figure out. I think there's probably I think when you deal with a with a windup and mechanics like Max Freed's where he has that pause before he really gets underway, I think the Dodgers were able to pick up on the pause is being different between his fastball and his off speed because they couldn't tell the difference between the slider and the curve, but they sure as heck knew when a fastball was coming. And I think that's, that's the timing aspect. And that's because they've seen him a fair bit of time. The Astros have never seen him. You can watch his curve on video all you want to until you're in the box against it. You don't know what it is. You don't know that sharp break and how it just completely just falls off the table at about 55, 56 feet. It's not really a looper, despite the fact that it's almost 12 to 6 in its nature. It's not really a looper. Valdez's curve is a little bit more of a looper. And and we've I've, I've touched on that before. It's not a sweeper the way that like Sean Newcomb's is, but it's kind of loopy. And I happen to think that you can you can tend to to wait on that one a little bit more. It doesn't look like a fastball very long out of the hand. It looks like an off-speed pitch. Uh, you know, you might not be able to tell curveball right away, but what Max is, it looks just like a fastball or a changeup until it drops 15 feet. And that is, it is, a good curveball is such a great weapon. And so you see it in the ground ball rates with somebody like Max. You see it with, with Valdez. Like I said, 70%. Uh, that's historic, you know. That's... Now a lot of that is also because he doesn't throw a straight fastball; he throws a sinker. So he's more of that fast, that sinker and curve mix, which really plays up those ground ball rates. But once you get past him, you know, you're looking at Garcia in Game Two. The Braves hit the ball in the air a lot, a lot, a lot, and Garcia has a 38.5 percent 
ground ball rate. That'll be game two. Urquidy is 32.2. And then for game four, when it's looking like they're probably going to run out uh, the bullpen game, like I said, they'll have Grinky more than likely. His is 44%. And then Jake Odorizzi is 35. And then you have Christian Javier, who's been logging meaningful middle relief innings, and his ground ball rate is 27.6. So for a pitching staff that gives up a lot of fly balls or a lot of line drives, and a team that hits a lot of fly balls and line drives, that to me, mm, it's got the makings, it's got the ingredients of a really, really good recipe for me. And and the, I get the feeling that this will be more of a slugfest than anything we've seen in the playoffs so far. Um, just because I think the pitchers are getting a little more tired as they go. And and these these offenses are... About to break out. Houston's offense has been doing work this offseason, and this is the best pitching staff they will have seen, so hopefully we can mute them just a little bit. But it, this is just another area. I'm like, I'm not convinced. I, and it's maybe maybe I'm just feeling cocky because I was last year the same thing I was like, oh, you know, we're we're invincible, we can we can do anything we want, and and we wound up not winning. But now I'm like, this is this is also a team that knows how good it is. The, the Braves, I mean, and I also think the Braves might think they're better than they are, which is good. That's a scary proposition. That's a scary proposition. Yeah, because like if you, it's kind of like the Dodgers, right? Coming into the coming into the postseason, part of the reason they scared me is because they were a 106 win team who's a wild card. So it's like, ooh, good. Now they've got a chip on their shoulder. Now they feel like they've got something to prove. Well, we ran through them, and nobody's got more to prove than us this entire postseason because everybody like, oh, the Braves don't even they don't even belong there, man. They wouldn't even be there if if everybody else didn't hand them the division. Yeah, well, they did hand us the division. And we took advantage of it. Oh, we wouldn't have beat Milwaukee if it wasn't for this. Or we wouldn't have beat LA if not for that. You're a $260 million team. Get better backups. Sorry you got hurt. You know, there is a, a legitimate case to be made that the reason there are so many excuses is because nobody wants to admit that an, they got outplayed and outclassed by an 88-win team. Let them sleep on us, man. I have read so many articles today talking about how the, Houston's better with this. Houston's going to win because of that. And, you know, the percentages are higher in this series of what I'm reading that people are saying, yeah, I guess the Braves are going to win, but it'll be seven, and it'll be because Houston does something stupid, which is setting it up for you're continuing to sleep on this team that has proven over and over that they're really good. Don't just go with the name on the front of the jersey, man. That's why people were choosing the Dodgers. It wasn't necessarily because they were the best team. It was just because people tend to pick the Dodgers. People pick familiarity. People people that are betting on things feel much better saying Carlos Correa is going to lead the Astros to a World Series than Jock Peterson is going to lead the Braves to the World Series. And I get it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's right. This team can beat anybody right now. I'm not saying they're going to, but we could beat anybody right now. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. I, I think the Braves... I think the Braves should be the favorite in this series. Uh, and, and by the way, we do have to talk about Tyler Matzik. I mean, I have yeah. I don't know about any of y'all. I have never seen a relief outing the caliber of what Tyler Matzik did in game six. In that situation, runners on second and third and nobody out. And he not only did he strike out the side, or I shouldn't say the side, sorry. Somewhere somebody's angry. But struck out all three batters. He did it on 11 pitches, and he made Mookie look foolish. He threw him three straight fastballs, 97, 98, 99, all right down the bleep, all bleep high, uh, for those of you you know what I'm saying. 
there, Mookie just looked like he was just sitting on that slider because Matzik faced Mookie in like every single game that he came in and was dominating him with that slider. So Mookie's like, all right, he's not going to throw that again. All right, he's not going to throw it again. Well, dang, let me do it again. And made Mookie go back to the dugout, kind of like shaking his head, like, what in the world was that? They talk about Alex Vesia having an invisible. Tyler Matzik, I'm here to tell you, Tyler Matzik throws an invisible at 99 miles an hour. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. And it doesn't matter if you're a lefty or a righty. That's why I'm not worried about how, yeah, the, le- the Astros are lefty mashers. Maybe against guys that don't have good splits. But Matzik is even better against righties than he's lefties. A.J. Minter, when his cutter is on, is better against righties than he is lefties. The Braves don't have that issue in their main pieces of their bullpen where they have to necessarily worry about, oh, crap, i got to go with the lefty-lefty matchup here. They can just kind of throw whoever they want. And and for, speaking of the bullpen, Luke Jackson, who had a rough series against the Dodgers, despite the fact that he really didn't make many bad pitches, the Dodgers just own Luke the way that they own Max, this Astros team is kind of opposite. The Dodgers mash righties. The Astros mash lefties. So if you're Luke Jackson, you're feeling a little bit better, especially, again, like I mentioned with Max, you're facing a team that's never seen your slider before. It's... Again, you can see it on tape all you want until you're in the box, but you have no idea what that pitch is. And seen a lot of really negative talk around Luke Jackson. First off, without Luke Jackson, the Braves do not make the playoffs. Period. Point blank. End of story. Second, we were one bad Luke Jackson pitch away from sweeping the Dodgers. Okay, And it wasn't a bad pitch, by the way. No. Like, that... Unless you were an MVP a couple years ago, you probably don't hit that ball right, out. Right? right? I like, still have no idea how he hit that ball out. I don't know how he got enough on that ball. There were so many factors that led to that. When I, I went back, and I've watched that pitch probably 5,000 times. I've probably watched it about 10, 12 times. The fact that Cody Bellinger had choked up on his bat just enough to reach the 96 up high, which was actually higher than Luke even wanted the pitch, the fact that he had choked up was just enough to get the ball on the barrel, which is the only possible scenario to hit that pitch out. It's just Cody Bellinger, and yeah, he sucked this year. He's still an MVP two years ago. Like when when Luke says, "I'd throw that pitch again," I would too. I'm not mad at that pitch. Like sometimes you just have to be like, "All right, that guy's just really, really good." And for Luke, unfortunately, it happened to him in games five and six, and you don't like to see that, but. Luke Jackson is the second best person in your bullpen. Like you don't get where you are without him. He is the like he is just behind Matzik and how dominant he is. Like Luke is the most important member of that bullpen because he's the only righty that you trust in that scenario. And you know when when he came back in for Game Six, you know it. I wondered how he was going to respond, and and people always talk about Snit and how you know his. The way he manages players, and he he doesn't let guys get really down in the dumps, and it's always back on the horse with you. You know, you you blow a three run lead on Wednesday, you are going to be the first reliever out of the bullpen on Thursday, and and I do kind of admire that about him, but I did wonder in a playoff scenario what that was going to turn into, and so I was there at Game Six, and I was up in three forty six, like the right there above the Hank Aaron Terrace, and not to mention my my vision is terrible, so uh, I. 
I didn't have a chance to see it in the same way that everybody who was watching on TV did, but it was clear to me, even from as far away as I was, that Luke wanted nothing to do with Cody Bellinger in that, in that at bat. And I, I don't know if it was necessarily by design or if he was just wild, but when Matzik came in, you know, and I was there, it was me and Valerie, and then uh, my buddy Mark and his daughter and a couple of Dodgers fans. Mark is from Nashville. He runs this organization called Simply a Fan, which is super cool, and everybody should look into it. But so Mark, being a Dodgers fan, it was a really interesting uh, view into the perspective of the team that was trailing. Like, being up 3-2 in the series, but watching it with the team that's down 2-3, it, like, every time that I would get super anxious about something, then, you know, I would look over at them and be like, I think they're scared. They're scared because we know we're going to beat them. And that's and that that's not a reflection on Mark. It's just, like, when Matzik came in, you know, second and third, nobody out. They knew it. They were like, this is where we tie it. And so did I. And then he struck out Pujols. And I'm like, okay, that, I could see Albert doing the one last, last Hall of Fame thing. He's going to hit a home run. They're going to go up five to four, and it's going to be too bad. But it's Albert, so how mad can you get? Then he struck out Souza, and then I'm getting feelings off of them. They're like, oh, God, we can't blow this. And the Acuna slam was the loudest thing I ever heard in my entire life for years. When we clinched, it was louder than that. When Rosario hit the home run, it was louder than that. But dude, when Matzik struck out Mookie, it was like, it was like a space shuttle launch. That was the loudest thing that has ever happened in the city of Atlanta. It was, I mean, and everybody was just pure emotion. And that that clip, that clip of Matzik fist pumping off the mound and doing that little funky little pirouette thing, and then doubling down on the fist bump is like. At that point, that's that was when I'm like, we're going to win. You know, at, th- at that exact moment, it was like, you just deflated every last little bit of momentum that the Dodgers had. And being able to come in, his story, it, it you would never, you would never put that in a movie because they would say that it's too unbelievable, right? The guy who went from having the yips to all of a sudden facing down the one of the best hitters in baseball and one of the most crucial moments of the season and just handling it with a plum, you know, unbelievable. So, when you're in when you're looking at lefties coming out of the bullpen, Mentor, Matzik, and credit where it's due, Will Smith has been nailed for the past couple of weeks. I don't know where that came from, but even if the Astros do hit lefties really well, we got really, really good lefties. When you're the four best lefties that we have being Freed, Minter, Matzik, Will Smith, I mean, that's that's strong. That'll neutralize even the best of offenses. And all that is true. When you're talking about Matzik, you're talking about this in Luke Jackson and this Braves bullpen. It's just the Astros could throw whoever they want. Ryan Presley's good. They've got some good pieces in that bullpen. I, I am I, I feel weird saying this. But I am completely happy. There's not another person I would pick in this bullpen over Tyler Matzik. And if you're telling me that I have to pick between these two teams, Luke Jackson is going to be on my short list for my number two or my three. Like, it's just, that's how good this team is. And now we've got some breaking news as we've seen the lineups falling in, which is apropos. This is the, maybe this is the, this might be the first time in TPS history that we've actually gotten some news before we started talking about it. Because this was, no lie, was about to be what we were going to talk about here is the lineup. I was wondering... In Houston, now that you have a DH, you don't have to pick between which outfielders to use. With the way Eddie Rosario has transformed into Barry Bonds and Willie Mays' love child, I was wondering 
if they were going to be willing to kind of move him out of that leadoff spot. Because that hasn't really mattered if he's been facing lefties or righties. He's just been crushing everybody. But we have it in now, and it turns out that Jorge Soler will go back into his leadoff spot. He is DHing, which is not a surprise. So it's going to go Soler, Freddie, Ozzy hitting third. They they like that analytical construct of that lineup where you can put Ozzy in between Freddie and Riley, where the third batter, I guess, nowadays is supposed to be like your second or third worst hitter. Um, Austin's going to be batting cleanup. Rosario fifth. Duvall, Travis Darno, Jock all the way down to eighth, and then Dansby ninth. That's a very interesting setup for Jock, seeing as he's hit lefties better than righties this year. I'm not mad at it, though. It kind of gives you somebody after Travis, just assuming Travis, I don't want to say he's a throwaway at-bat, but it might be a throwaway at-bat at this point. Having him in the seventh slot kind of sandwiches him between some guys that you think could really do some good things for you. It also protects you late in games from teams being able to just go righty heavy against Travis and Swan and, and Dansby at the end of a lineup. So pretty forward thinking by Snip. We'll see how it turns out. Personally, and this I was I was gonna say that I think I would have gone uh almost a little bit more traditional. I know, shocker for me to say. I think I probably would have gone I would have left Eddie at leadoff and gone Solaire two, Freddie three, Riley four. Uh, and then go Ozzy, Duval, Jock, uh, Dansby, and Travis last. Um, but I'm not mad at this lineup at all. And then you could have flip flopped Travis and Dansby. I, I understand in a DH lineup, I kind of like having somebody who can who can be fast hitting ninth. That way, you can have somebody that so, for Solaire to drive in. But I that looks like Snicker did not just make this lineup on his own. Uh, that looks like they really kind of considered some of the pieces in this lineup. Moving Jock to eighth, I think, is, is very interesting to me. I don't know about you. No, I, I think so, too. I, Travis, you know, you, you can never really be too sure. I mean, he had three months to come back, and he hasn't really been hitting much in the playoffs, but neither has Dansby. Uh, he does have the advantage of speed. Or both of them have been playing really good defense. Um, I love the fact that Soler is back. I love the fact that they can utilize him early. I love – and uh, I think that once you see uh, – Urquidy, Garcia, I think anybody who's not Valdez, anybody who's a, a righty, uh, you're going to see Eddie back at the top of the lineup. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Ozzy get in there in the, the two-hole uh, just to give you two potential table setters in front of Freddie. It's just the construction of, of lineups with DHs in them. It's so different. It's like uh, it reminds me of 2020 a little bit, the, the good old days when the, the NL got the DH every single day. But yeah, I, I love this lineup. I think that uh, I'm not going to steal Jared Carabas, uh, his term for it, but uh, he's certainly he is certainly right about the thing that this Braves lineup this, does. This Braves team fornicates, I guess, is a nicer way for us to say it. But um, yeah, this lineup touches brains out for sure. But I mean, if you're looking at Houston's lineup too, I mean they're they're pretty stacked. They've got theirs announced too. Theirs theirs is looking pretty decent too. They've got Altuve, Brantley sandwiched in between Bregman hitting third. Jordan batting fourth, so Charlie plays his cards right. He gets to lead off the second inning with Jordan, which is obviously what you want to do. Carlos Correa, fifth. Tucker, sixth. That's the one that I think is interesting to me. I think that's a bad call on the part of Dusty Baker. Um, Kyle Tucker is the second-best player in that lineup. Hit 30 home runs this year, by the way. Really good season for Kyle Tucker. Didn't realize that. Hit 30 yeah. homers, 14 steals. That, to me, is another aspect of this series that I think makes it a little bit easier than the one against the Dodgers. Travis is not good throwing out base runners, and you saw in that in that series, I mean, the Dodgers were stealing left and right every opportunity they had. The Astros don't, they're not a heavy steal team. The Kyle Tucker led their team in steals with 14. That's, to put that in perspective, the Braves, who were not a heavy running team, by the way, 
Freddie stole eight bases. Ozzy stole 20. Eddie Rosario, who is not fast, stole 11. Adam Duvall, five. Jock, two. Dansby, nine. This is that weird series where the Braves even hold the advantage on the base pass. This is... I like this. And I, I'm not going to... I don't think Dusty... I think Dusty and Sticker are very similar managers. And that's actually, I think, is a point in our favor again, too. Like I, At any point, you know Dusty Baker is going to do one of two things. He's either going to ride his starter way too long, which is what he's done in his career. So for everybody that says that they love Dusty Baker, just know that you love the guy that ruined Kerry Wood. Um, that's that's affirmed. Dusty Baker ran Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood into the ground and ruined their careers. Um, and now, he's probably learned a little bit by now, but he's kind of done that same thing everywhere he's gone. And in this, in this aspect, I think Snicker has shown over the past three seasons that he's much more adaptable than Dusty Baker is. Now, there's something to be said for Dusty, because Dusty, everybody loves Dusty Baker. For everything we talk about, everybody loves Snicker, everybody loves Dusty Baker in the exact same way. This is going to be two of the best people for managers in baseball. But we keep talking about this, and, and looking at this Braves lineup versus this Astros lineup... I would take the Braves lineup over the Astros. Now, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm still just riding too high off this Dodgers win because it is that big. We just slayed we slayed one giant. It's time to go slay another now. But I feel like the Dodgers are a bigger giant than the Astros, and I felt like our lineup was superior. Now, I know on paper the Dodgers is obviously better, but we're coming off a series. Let's not forget this before we get into our predictions and close out today's episode so we can get ripe and ready for today's game. The Astros or the, the Braves dominated Trey Turner for the first time in Trey Turner's career. They did very well against Mookie Betts, who started off the series looking like he was never going to make an out. Cody Bellinger did really good, but they also shut him out in parts too. They did very well against Justin Turner. The Braves went out there, and the guys that normally torch Atlanta, the Braves handled. If it weren't for Chris Taylor and AJ Pollock, of all people, we would have been looking at that series going, man, what happened to that Dodgers lineup? Let, let's not overshadow the fact that a couple big swings from the Dodgers and that three home run game by Chris Taylor really masked the fact that the Braves pitching kind of dominated them. They really did. And so, and it speaks to what, what we talked about coming in, into the series. Like even when you're looking at like having a Noah as your four, Smiley as your five or Tukey or whoever was filling the, the, the five spot there. And some of the, the low hanging fruit in the back half of the bullpen, you know, when you don't have, those guys that are going, and you're just going with your most elite guys, you are going to be hard-pressed to find teams that are better than this. And when you look at the Dodgers lineup, it's like a who's who. You know, going from Mookie to Trey to Seager to Will Smith, and then you that's when you get into Taylor, Bellinger, Pollock. I mean, it's the same thing as this, where one through eight, you're looking at really, really talented players. And... Numbers-wise, the Dodgers were better than the Astros, and we beat them handily. We didn't just eke out that series. Like, we beat them convincingly. And and I still, same thing I've said multiple times this episode, I keep looking at it going, yeah, they're really good. I don't necessarily think that they're going to beat us. I just... I'm and, not scared and I'm, of them. I'm like, I'm like you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Like, And even, maybe it's just that I've already come to terms with the fact that whatever happens for the rest of the season, it's good. Do I want to win the World Series? Of course. But like it's we're stair stepping year over year, and we did it without Acuna. And we know that there's going to be teams that, or players that want to come and play here. There's been five playoff games at Truist so far. This uh, 
this offseason, and there's about to be a couple more, so there's going to be a lot more money to re-sign Freddie and bring in, you know, you can bring in guys and trade, and you can do a bunch of different things here, man. Like, even if we don't necessarily make it this year, then that's okay, but but I think we're going to. Like, I, I'm not, even a couple series ago, when I was when I said on the show, Braves in four, that was unlike me, because I usually try and be very calm and measured and very middle of the road, and... You know, I said on Twitter, Braves and six, but it was kind of one of those cross my fingers as I hit tweet type things. And I keep looking for reasons. I, I got nothing. So I'm going to be arrogant about it again. I'm going to leapfrog into our predictions and say Braves and seven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do you one better. I'm going to say Braves and six. My man. I think they close out at home. Or I'm sorry. That, well, would, that be, would that'd be game five. Darn it. Uh, well, I'm going to say Braves in six, just because... You want to say Braves in five? I'm still going <laughs> to say Braves in six. It's so hard to close out a game. Or it, it's so hard to, to win four to one in a World Series. It's so hard to yeah. do. It seems like most yeah. World Series are six or seven. Um, but to that end, I still think it's absolutely possible that this Braves team could sweep. That's how confident I am in this Braves team and how much I like this matchup. It's not that I don't think the Astros are bad or that are, I don't think they're good. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that it's going to be like a runaway sweep. Like, if it's a sweep, I wouldn't be shocked to see this be an extremely close series and the Braves still sweep it. Like, this could be one where the Braves win each game by one run. Like, that's kind of how it is. And we've seen in the postseason, do you remember when the Indians, or I'm sorry, the Guardians, as we should call them now, when they when they hit that that really torrid stretch in 2018 heading into that postseason? Was that when they won like 22 in a row yep. or whatever it was? Yeah. yeah. And then they just kind of wore down inside the postseason. Well, the Braves did that this year too. I mean, they have been on a destruction course. Was it 22-5 and five over the last 28 or something like that? Something crazy. Some insane number over the last little bit of the season there. And heading into the postseason, this Braves team has been just on fire. They are they, nobody wants to play them right now. And like national media can say whatever they want. Bill Plaschke can say whatever he wants. He obviously doesn't watch much much baseball. Same thing for Dylan Hernandez. He can go write another story about Waffle House uh, or sterile shopping mall. Despite the fact that the that Truist was far more packed out that Truist in the battery than uh, Chavez Ravine was. And I I, I think you're going to see a lot of that here. There's a lot of Braves fans in Texas. And I think that's going to be – that's one of the things that I'm most excited to see that has no bearing on the game itself. I want to see how many Braves fans, how loud it is for the Braves inside Houston because you mentioned it earlier. Everyone is going to be rooting for the Braves outside of the one dot that is Houston. The entire country is going to be pulling for the Braves. Yeah, they're both pulling for us and against them, you know, like actively in both directions. So – and for this, a lot of people we, that were born in North Texas, by the way, you could see all the Braves games growing up, and you hate the Astros because you're a Rangers fan. Like, this is – we're America's team. Yeah, and and now, like, that was, that was the moniker for so long, and now it kind of seems like we're not just America's team because we're on the Superstation and the games are available everywhere. We're America's team because there's something about this team that is – it just resonates with people, and it's not like the juggernaut who's been there before and may or may not have cheated to have gotten there, or what you know what I mean. It's like this is just a very pure thing. It's a great Cinderella story, and I have been thinking of this moment. It's it's easy to build things up in your mind and and how you think you're gonna react, like being there in Game Six and seeing our guys celebrate in the center of the field. I mean, it's something that I've never really got to do before. 
and and it hit me in a different way than I thought it would. And I've been thinking all along that that no, you know I'm just gonna be a grown man sobbing tears of joy because a whole bunch of strangers wearing the same shirt did a thing in a baseball game and uh and I don't know if that's gonna happen or not it but it's bigger the, than that the, it does and it, it's like a it's like this weird sense of calm you know what I mean yeah like, I, I'm, with I, you. I, I'm I'm nervous but I'm but I'm not yeah you're like I'm, I'm not nervous and I don't. I don't want my confidence to be construed, construed as I just don't think the Astros can win. Like I said, how the Braves could sweep, the Astros could just as easily sweep as well. That I mean, they showed no, no. against Boston that there is no inning in which you're safe from them. They can pile on runs in a hurry, and I think that's an X factor for Houston. Is how how many times like if you have a bad inning against Houston, it's not you allowed two runs. It's you allowed five or six, and that game is out of reach. That's possible. We saw that happen to Boston a number of times in that series, and it bit them in the hindquarters in the end. Now, I think Atlanta is far more talented than Boston top to bottom. I think that Boston even getting to the ALCS, that's a testament to High and Bloom. Uh, but it's possible that the Astros could do that to the Braves. I'm just not worried about it. And, like, I know it can happen. I'm just – we got to the World Series. And to me, getting to the World Series is what you look for. Now, obviously, you want to win it, but being one of the two and having that shot at getting the championship and being one of the two teams, I feel like it takes a lot of the pressure off of you in some very weird way. We're not we're not the Dodgers when they were you know getting in 2017 or, or when they're getting to it and just couldn't get over the hump and we're the longest or the one of the longest teams that had gone without a World Series. Like it's not like that where we've got all this backdrop. Oh, we lost it last year. Oh, we lost it the year before. That was the NLCS for us. This is the first time they've been in the World Series since 99, since most of these guys were on this team were born. Like, most of these guys weren't born yet. Um, like, that's, that's how long it's been. And I don't want to say it's playing with house money, because you're in the World Series. It is, it, for those players, it is going to be extremely stressful. But as a fan, like, I, I feel like I can finally take a breath. We knocked off the big bad Dodgers. Like, we, we got to the point. We got to the pinnacle of the mountain. Now all that's left, and it's been a postseason full of just statement moments for Atlanta. Matt's inning. Eddie Rosario's three-run homer. That was just a laser shot. That's a moment. That's one that you're going to look back and be like, that's the Eddie Rosario moment. When we say the Eddie Rosario home run, there's three of them that we can basically pick from in that series, but that's the one. We have, you know, Freddie's homer against Hayter. That's a moment. Let's just go out there and make one more moment. That's all it's going to take, guys. One more moment, and we get to host, we get to hoist that piece of metal. And it may not be us physically, but this is the beauty of sports, man. Like, this is the beauty of fandom. For, for however long the games are, for however long the season is, you get to become part of something that, that's so much bigger than you. And that's one of the reasons why, no matter what happens anywhere, and you could say, oh, it's just a game, it's not. It's, it's a unifying piece. It's what brings people together, and it makes cities celebrate like, like they were children. This is like what it's like to be a child on Christmas. This is it. You don't know what you're going to get. You hope it's what you prayed for. You hope it's what you asked for all season long, and now you have a chance where it's a real possibility that it is. And I, I, I don't really have the best words to describe it. And to be honest, I have no idea how I'm going to react if the Braves win the World Series. I This is so totally foreign. I can tell you, though, if they lose, 
I'm not going to be talking about the letdown of this season or anything like that. I'm going to go through, and, and regardless, even if Acuna was on this team, that doesn't, like, that doesn't even factor into me right now. Just, I wanted to see the Braves get to the World Series. Get me to the top of the mountain. And we're finally here. I, I, I just, I still can't believe it. I know you just said you don't really have the words. Those are pretty good to me, dude. I'm about to run through a wall just because of what you just <laughs> That's said. That's about you know, all I got. A, we're, we're not a city like Boston no. that gets to celebrate championships every couple years. I mean, it's I was in the eighth grade the, the last time we won, and I'm old. You know what I mean? I was like, five old? years old in 1995. Yeah. I have never seen this to where I can like remember it. I've been a bra- yeah. I've been a diehard Braves fan. My entire life. That's why I've always said that it's better to be a Cleveland fan than an Atlanta fan. Because Atlanta will get you tantalizingly close to the top of the mountain and never get to the summit. Whereas, you know, other sports towns like Cleveland and some of these other ones, that you just never get there to begin with. It's different for us here. And I, I'm I'm happy to I am proud to say that it's different, that I think Atlanta sports fans are better. You can't be a fair weather fan in Atlanta. Like you have known pain. Deep pain, and it brings, in a weird way, it brings us all together. Yeah, <laughs> that that is true, and and little by little, we're 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 getting there. So I got my fingers crossed, and next week when we when we talk about this, then uh, that it's going to be a good episode. Next week is going to be a good episode, and hopefully, it's good because we're celebrating a World Series title, and not just because you and I go back and forth telling dad jokes for 45 minutes to numb the pain. I mean, I, I, really and truly, I believe. I believe the Braves are winning this I do World too. Series. And I, do I, too. I cannot wait to talk to you next week about this, Doc. I know we're going to talk throughout all these games, but I can't wait to talk to you guys out there listening as well. We're going to go ahead and end the episode today and get ready. We're about uh, two hours and 20 minutes from first pitch. Uh, so everybody get ready. Get yourselves in, in game shape. Get get everything ready to go. Get all your Braves gear on. Get your rally potatoes sitting next to you. Whatever it takes, whatever juju you gotta you gotta do to get going. Let's go out there and let's take game one and let let's get this started off right. I am ready. I know you are, Doc, and everybody else out there. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Let's go. Let's get this done. Let's go. Let's win this World Series and let's all celebrate. For just a few months and what has been an awful last two years in the world, let's go and get the happiest moment that we could have outside of, you know, a child being born or marriage or whatever, but the happiest sports moment you can possibly have. So we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week for sure, no matter what happens here with you. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week on the Platinum Sombrero. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. 
Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.